What's up, guys? What's going on? I'm Paul. This is Pauline Theology's Daily Devo with Trust in Jesus Ministries. Glad you're back as we continue to study Genesis in this daily devotional, man. We're on chapter 2, verse 8 through 17. We just talked about man and the, the forming that God has done from him from the dust of the earth, the intimacy that he has as he molded him and breathed breath into his lungs so that he might be living. What a powerful God, what an amazing God, what an intimate God. And we're going to continue the story of the plight of man and how we have fallen uh, from God. But before we get to that, let's, let's, let's get to the situation. Let's see what's happening. Let's see where man's at, what he's doing and how he's doing it and what God's doing as well. So what does uh, this say? Well, first off, you got to read it. It says Genesis 2, 8 through 17. If you haven't read it yet, go ahead and stop the tape. Check it out. See what it has to say. If you have now, let's answer the four questions. And so uh, it says that, uh, the Lord God had planted a garden in uh, the east of Eden. And it says, um, and he set the man there, the one that he had formed. It said, and God caused, the Lord God caused to sprout out from the ground all types of trees that were beautiful to look at and good to eat. And the, there was the tree of life and the tree of the knowledge of good and evil in the midst of the garden. And it says, and... Uh, a river uh, came up from Eden and it watered the garden. And from there, it split into four heads. It says, uh, and this is split into four heads. And uh, the name of one of the rivers is Pishon. And it says it was uh, surrounded the, the land of uh, Hevlon, which has gold. And it says in the, the gold there was good. And there was also onyx stone and uh, bedlam. It says the second river was named Gihon, and there it surrounded all the land of Cush. And the third name of the river is Hideko, or I think that's actually um, uh, Euphrates, or Tigris. Yeah, the Tigris, that's it. That's what it is, Hideko in, in Hebrew, but uh, it's uh, the Tigris. And it went around the um, east of Asher. And then the fourth river is the Euphrates. And it says, And the Lord God took the man and he rested him in the garden of the Garden of Eden and uh, to work it and to keep it. And the Lord God commanded upon the man, saying, From all of the trees of the garden you can surely eat freely. He says, But from the, the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, you cannot eat it from the day that you do. It says you will uh, the day that you consume it. It says you will surely die. So what do we got there? We got a lot going on, don't we? And so I think uh, the main thing that I want to talk about really and what this scripture is saying is the trees because I think this is important. There's a couple of things that are important about this because God does a bunch of things. But I think the first thing is that it said that God planted a garden. We start out, it says the Lord God. We talked about how the Lord God is the covenant name, meaning that he wants a relationship with us. But the Lord God is also the creator God, the one whom uh, was spoken of in chapter one and that connection that brought us together. And so I think the creation and this covenant is also portrayed here as we continue to see that God is creator God and that he has planted a garden. So God planted the garden. And when he planted this garden, 
It says he caused the uh, the uh, all the trees to come up from the ground. That it was it was him who done this. The focus is on God. The focus is on the Lord. The focus is on the one who wants a relationship with us. So that's important. And then he says that the trees were good to look at. But not only were they good to look at, but they were also good to eat. So they were beautiful and we can eat off of them. All right. And then um, it says it names two of these trees that were in the midst of the garden. It says the tree of the knowledge of good and evil and the tree of of life. And so I think a big question is, what are those two trees? Um, I think the, the idea is, first off, that the tree of life is the, the tree by which man, when he eats from it, continues to, to have life. There, there's no real evidence that says that man was created immortal. Um, I think actually in, in um, Timothy, Paul says to the only immortal one, he's, he's talking about God the Father, and, uh, um, or I'm sorry, he's talking about God himself the Trinitarian God, and that uh, him alone has eternal life. Um, and so I think that God placed this, this, this tree of life so that it can sustain us throughout this life as well, that we might not die. Also, um, it, it may be evidence in the fact that when we get to this, we're going to see that there is a, a cherub, uh, an angel that is set before that tree so that we can't eat it. We can't eat from it. But that could be after the fall, because he says, as surely as you eat of this tree, you will die. But anyway, the second tree is the knowledge of good and evil. And this is a big question, because you wonder, like, what does that mean? The knowledge of good and evil tree of life. Yeah, we can kind of understand that sustains life, gives life, eternal life. But remember, uh, when I say this, I'm talking about God who created the tree. So the focus has been on God. It is not the fruit of the tree that brings life. I don't want to um, skip on that part. It is not the fruit of the tree that brings life, but the one who created the tree, the one who caused the tree to sprout up from the ground, the one who planted this garden. It is him who gives life. It's not the tree that gives us eternal life. It was him who gives, who gave and is still giving life. It is the covenant God. It is the one who desires to have a relationship with us but also the one who created the entire universe. It is the Lord God. He is the one that gives life. But secondly, what is this tree? This tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Um, I think that what it means, because uh, uh, the idea is that when scripture talks about good and evil, it kind of talks about the idea of judgment or the idea of uh, a judge who sits and arbitrates decisions. Uh, the one who has the power and authority to make choices. And so I think that what this um, meaning is, and this is from the context of, of various scriptures that we read, is that when God says that you cannot eat from this, and then Satan himself says you'll be like God, and then God himself further says after that, that he says that they are like us or like me, then... Um, I think the idea is that uh, we make ourselves autonomous, that we decide for ourselves what we should do or how we should make choices rather than relying on the one in whom um, created us uh, to to give us to 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 make decisions for us. 
And it's, it's not to say that uh, in the future that we wouldn't come to this kind of knowledge in the end, uh, this type of wisdom. But I think that's the way it is. It talks about, I, I believe in, in Deuteronomy, it says that a, a child doesn't know right from wrong or good from evil. But that's not to say a child doesn't know good from evil. We know that uh, a 12-year-old, 11-year-old, 10-year-old knows what's right and what's wrong. But what they're saying is that their responsibility for those decisions are under the parent. And we see that in the law today. It's like uh, when a child does some things that the parent is responsible for that child's actions. That's why they got to pay for the damages. You know what I'm saying? Uh, when something happens wrong. And so I think that's the idea that's conveyed here is that before eating of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, then Adam and Eve were completely dependent upon the father and their relationship and their view of the world and the way they reacted with the things that are around them. This is how the life was supposed to be, a, com a complete reliance upon God. But when they ate off this tree, they usurped the proper authority for this wisdom that, that we all should desire to have. The scriptures say that we should desire for this wisdom and this understanding and this knowledge. But this wisdom, this understanding, and this knowledge also, it says, comes by fear of the Lord. Or it comes by obedience of the Lord is what fear of the Lord means. Or even worship and um, the idea of, of walking the life of God, walking a life in Christ. And uh, so when they took the, from the tree and they disobeyed God, what they did is usurp the proper authority and the proper direction to gain this wisdom. The wisdom that they would have, instead of allowing it to come in the fullness of time, what they did is they usurped the authority of God and grasped what would have been theirs before they were supposed to have it, making themselves responsible, making themselves autonomous, saying that we desire to be our own being. We desire to be our own king. We desire to be our own queen. And so um, we continue and we see that further that uh, the places that it talks about a little bit of the places that uh, uh, the uh, Eden could have been, you know, I, I'm not a, I'm not a cartographer, a person who makes maps or anything like that. So I only know a little bit about that. But it, it is the idea is that um, it's flowing and it's growing and God is causing these things to, to be fulfilled. But there needs to be a tender of this garden. And we read earlier a little bit about how there was no man to tend the garden and keep it. But now we find that God has created this man and he has set him in this, 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 uh, this garden. And the, 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 the great word that they use is rested. You know, God has placed him in this garden to rest. But the thing about this rest is that the rest still entails work. It says that he rested him in this garden to work it and to keep it. And those two things means that we are to take care of the garden, but we're also to keep the garden in such a way that if anything tries to, to damage or harm it, we would protect it. Because the same word in, uh, in the Hebrew for keep is also to guard. And so those are the mandates that God has put on us. is not only to work it, to cause it to flourish, to tend it, to work the ground and make it grow, but also to keep it in such a way that it is protected and that it would flourish.
That is what we have been called to do. And then we see the prohibition. It says that uh, um, Adam is able to eat from every tree, every tree. And we already know it's beautiful and wonderful. God created it. And he also said that it looked good and it was good for food. But there was one thing that God has said that he has kept from Adam. And that was the, the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. So what's to say about God? I think it says that that he is in ultimate authority of all things. He is the sovereign ruler. He is controller. But not only is he a controller, but he is the provider. I mean, he said every tree that's in this garden, man, you can eat except one. He says all of them are good to look at. They're beautiful, but they are also good to eat off of. He provides. He set this guard. He created this place, created this garden, created this atmosphere. Well, all Adam has to do is go in and eat and chill. Now he does work it because he's placed, he's been placed responsible over this. And that's, that's what we see also in chapter one, when it says that, um, that he has, has made him to subdue and to, uh, uh, take care of the land, causing it to flourish and to grow it. But, but, uh, uh, this, this, this work that was intended for Adam to do was not uh, toil and labor, but it was rest. And so um, that's a beautiful thing, man, that he, he sets Adam in there like that. But we see this prohibition that, that, that God says after that. Not only is everything good to eat, but this one thing is not. And this is what Adam has to do. He has to be able to not take from the tree. Now, we also see that he's also a sustainer of life. Not only is he a provider where he gives everything that we can we could possibly have, but he's a sustainer of life, man. The tree of the of life was placed there by him. God is the one who placed it there, and it gave life, and he still sustains life. As we we see later on, that Adam uh, sins and, and and doesn't die, but he uh, uh, gets to live a little bit longer, and eventually he does die. Eventually he does die, but um, he gave him pardon and gave him grace. And so we see not only the sustainer of life, but also a God of grace. But we'll talk about that a little later. What's to say about man, though? Man, it says that uh, we should be fully reliant upon God. When we we seek to grasp our own authority and, and, and take what's not rightfully ours, man, things go get messed up. Things get messed up. But when we stay close to the one who has given all things, the one who provides for all things. Man, that is an amazing thing. One other thing that uh, I think Dietrich Bonhoeffer actually said this is that the idea or the imagery of saying that the tree of life is in the tree of the knowledge of good and evil is in the midst of the garden to say that Adam is, is not the center of attention. That there is more. It's the one who provided the life. The one who has the knowledge. He is the center of all things. And that, um, and that um, Adam is, 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 gets to be a part of such a wonderful thing. And so we also have to remind ourselves that we are not the center, <clears throat> excuse me, that we are not the center of existence, but we do get to be a part of it. We do get to be a part of it. And then finally, I think for man, it says that we're to be, we're called to protect the earth. We're called to, to cause it to flourish and to keep it and to guard it if necessary from all harm. 
because God has placed us as uh, <coughs> as kings and queens to rule over as uh, an image bearer of him. Now, how can we apply these things to our lives? How can we apply these truths? Well, first off, I think we got to surrender to the king. If he's the ultimate authority, then we need to place ourselves under it. And then next, we need to examine all our decisions through that will, the will of God. If he's the ultimate authority, and if it's his desire for something to happen, and it, it does seem right and good to take, but we still have to examine our eyes and our lives through the, the lens of God's will. Because come things, I know in Proverbs it says, there's a way that seems right unto a man, but in the end it's destruction. And so then let us, let us not destroy ourselves as we will see Adam and Eve do as they partake of the thing which God told them not to do. And then finally, examine how we care for creation. Are we tending it? Are we keeping it? Are we guarding it? Are we causing it to flourish? Man, we've been placed here to do so. And so as Christians, man, we are here to do that because God will be recreating this earth. He, he's not going to, uh, uh, I've been reading Peter, Second Peter, and it's gonna, it talks about how new creation comes as recreation. And he takes what he has and forms it to make it better. Just as he has done with us, that we are um, recreations in him if you're in Christ. And so what we have, we will have. So how are you taking care of it? I appreciate you guys for listening. And uh, yeah, let's continue as we uh, go through Genesis. <laughs>